Hey everyone, it's Dr. Z. Welcome to the live Z Dog MD show. It's Tuesday, June 16th, and this will be replayed on YouTube and ZDogMD.com and on our podcast, If It Doesn't Suck, uh, that you can find on iTunes and everywhere else called the Z Dog MD show. All right, check it out. We are trapped in bubbles. We're trapped in echo chambers, in these reverberating thought bubbles, surrounded by people who tend to agree with us. And this isn't always true, but it's true enough that when you escape your bubble, or your echo chamber, and you're actually confronted with ideas that are different or scenarios that are different than what you're normally surrounded by, it can be quite jarring. And in my opinion, it can be absolutely essential to have your belief structures routinely challenged and constantly be questioning and constantly be exposed to ideas that are outside what you're comfortable with. And it made me think because, you know, when we look at COVID-19 and our response to it, when we look at the protests around the country, when we look at all of this, all of us are kind of in some kind of bubble. So let's talk about COVID for a second. You know, there are so many bubbles. There is the intellectual bubble around COVID. For example, early on when we were talking about how do we treat uh, really sick patients with coronavirus disease, well, we were talking about, well, the one thing you probably don't wanna do is give steroids. Because when we looked at SARS, there was some data that said, hey, if you give steroids, people actually do worse. In other words, the folks who got steroids that that giving of steroids was associated, correlated with worse outcomes. <clears throat> now, it could have been that those patients were already very sick, that there were reasons they were getting steroids that implied that they were sicker, and so that correlation didn't imply causation, that the steroids actually made things worse, but rather they were associated with sicker patients and therefore had they had worse outcomes. Well, now we have something that, by the way, has not been publicly fully released yet, but part of a larger trial that, and again, I hate talking about stuff that hasn't been, because we see stuff getting retracted all the time. We see preprint stuff that when it's subjected to peer review is, is really shot full of holes. But it came out in the news today that dexamethasone, which is a um, very high potency steroid like prednisone, but a slightly different version, given to the sickest patients uh, who have coronavirus disease was associated with actually lower mortality. Less people died. And the number you needed to treat with dexamethasone in this study that, again, we need to confirm, it's all preliminary, uh, was eight to save one life if they were intubated on, on a ventilator. And it was 25 if they were just requiring oxygen. So you treat 25 patients with, with Decadron and you save a life, one. I mean, these are really low numbers needed to treat, meaning this is ver a very effective outcome. And the only medication so far that's shown up in trials that is actually saving lives, that isn't just shortening hospital stay like remdesivir, or so far completely useless like hydroxychloroquine, even in though there was the retracted study, there's no good evidence that hydroxychloroquine in combination with azithro or not so far is helping anything. And again, those studies are ongoing. You need randomized control trials to really answer that question. That's why I wanna see, I wanna be able to actually read this trial. But this idea then that we were in this kind of thought bubble 
in medicine that you don't give steroids in these conditions. And now we're starting to rethink that based on actual data, on data that's challenging our assumptions. Now, it wouldn't su surprise me that there are a lot of scientists and doctors out there who hear that data and immediately go, uh, no, it, it must be wrong because here are all the reasons it must be wrong because again, it immediately challenges an underlying belief we have. And when our beliefs are challenged, it's almost like we're being physically attacked. That's how we behave as humans. So we can't, process it so we come up with a million reasons why it can't be true. Now, it's good science to come up with a million reasons why something can't be true, but it's also good science to change your mind when you see something in terms of evidence that starts to convince you that what you've believed based on prior evidence or based on bias is no longer true. So now I start thinking, well, <clears throat> okay, what are my biases? What do I believe is true? What's going on? So I, and I'm in a bubble. I currently live in the Bay Area of California, which is a particular type of bubble. We had very early, very aggressive shelter in place orders. We had very early, very aggressive universal masking orders. And each step of the way, being a little bit of a libertarian, I tended to resist a little bit and say, wait, but I wanna see the data that this is, actually helpful. I wanna see some study that says that recommending cloth masks for the public universally is actually gonna improve the, lower the reproductive number of this disease, the r naught, and improve outcomes. And that data wasn't forthcoming initially. And there were some logical reasons where I, I could say, well, you know, Forcing people to wear a cloth mask, which may do nothing if it's a poorly made cloth mask. People are touching their face, they have a false sense of security. There's plenty of reasons why that could actually cause harm. So it's not a harmless thing. Plus it impinges on people's liberty. Plus it, uh, um, for people who are have certain uh, medical problems or who are traumatized by constrained sort of claustrophobia, in other words, no medical personnel, because we, we wear, wear masks all day, that could be problematic. So it's not an entirely harmless edict, right? And I talked about that on the show, right? Whereas, you know, universal surgical masks say, if worn correctly, uh, might, might well have some help because we see in hospitals that that can reduce transmission of disease. You don't even need an N95 mask. You just, just a good surgical mask worn correctly. Well, so I've talked quite a bit about that and I tend to bristle in this particular bubble against some of this. Then I took a trip to Las Vegas, which is my most recent home for the last seven years prior to this, which is a much more libertarian environment as you might imagine. We went to go shoot our music video, Dan, which is coming out hopefully later this week. Supporters already were able to see a rough cut of this video. So if you're a supporter, um, you already got to see it and give us feedback, hopefully you enjoyed it. But the way we did that is as things are starting to open up uh, and the economy starting to come back online a little bit, <clears throat> I said, okay, I'm gonna take a trip to Las Vegas and Logan, who has been isolated himself, and I are gonna make this video in a closed studio location. And um, the other crew member has been isolated the whole time and is wearing a mask. Let's do this, right? Let's get back to work, right? But in a safe, practical way. So I get on the Southwest flight in SFO. In SFO, every single person's wearing a mask. 
I get on the Southwest flight. Southwest flight attendants are brilliant. People are spaced out. They haven't filled the aircraft. Nobody's sitting in center aisle, in center seats. And pretty much there's universal masking on the flight unless you're eating or drinking, in which case you, people were very good about it. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. I actually feel emotionally rather safe. I feel safer on this flight than I felt in some other situations. And I'm still a skeptic about universal masking to the extent that cloth masks, I don't think, you know, were that helpful. Well, so I'm starting to kind of exit my thought bubble a little bit. Then I land at McCarran Airport in Las Vegas. It is packed. People are piled up. Not a single, I would say one out of 10 people are wearing a mask. Everybody else is just freeballing it. Like they're they're falling over each other. They're playing slot machines. They're at the bars. They're uh, um, packed onto those little subway things that take you to the to the other part of the airport. And I was just eyes were just going what? So at that point, I've told my supporters this story already. I go and stand in line for a rental car because I'm no longer a resident of Nevada <clears throat> and Las Vegas. And I need this rental car for the video shoot. So I'm standing in the line, it's quite long. We find, Nobody's wearing a mask, nobody's social distancing, right? But we're outside. So I'm thinking, okay, that may be okay because you know it's hot, it's open air, much less risk of transmission. Um, get into the rental car shuttle. There's plenty of space, right? So that's cool. This woman, probably in her 20s, uh, starts carrying the driver of the bus saying, I don't want you touching my suitcase because it's got a lot of electronics on it. So I would want to keep it on my lap. And um, the driver uh, says, I'm sorry, ma'am, that's a big heavy suitcase. And if I stop short, someone could get hurt. So you really do need to put it in this slot here. And she threw a fit, finally agreed, but she had to put it in herself. She wouldn't let him touch it, right? now, so. Concern for other people already low because she wants to keep it on her lap and potentially kill someone with a projectile when the bus stops short, full of electronics that are fragile, probably explosive. And at this point, she's kind of miffed. So she sees me sitting there. There's a seat between, empty seat, and an elderly woman. Nobody's wearing masks except for me. Uh, And she goes, I'm just gonna sit between you two and sits down in between us. And at this point, I'm like, okay, this is kind of very much violating my moral matrix here of like care versus harm. She, you know, liberty versus oppression, she's nailing that, but the care versus harm is bothering me. She sits down and immediately starts coughing loudly and frequently directly into her hand like this. <coughs> I actually feel woman air blowing onto my arm like, cough air, nose air. And at this point, I'm well out of my liberal San Francisco bubble where everybody's reasonably in the box about being conscientious about this. And in my libertarian Las Vegas bubble, and I'm like, you have got to effing be kidding me. There's an elderly woman next to her uh, and she's just, she sits, decides consciously to violate social distancing, even though there were other seats and starts coughing. 
And at this point, you guys, you've seen a lot of my shows. I've been in a bit of a bubble. I've been in a bubble where I just assumed everyone has been behaving in a pretty draconian way. And I've actually been pushing back a little saying, you know, we do need uh, to think about the three buckets when we open up of economy, health, and social fabric. We've destroyed the social fabric. We have unrest everywhere. People are losing their minds. We've wrecked the economy. People are losing their livelihoods and therefore their lives in some cases. And the health component we've prioritized. And so with shutdown, yeah, the cases dropped quite a bit. So that does work, but we've been out of balance. Now, my beliefs are challenged when I sit on a bus and I see what other parts of the country might be doing, particularly Las Vegas, and just saw how egregious this was and realizing, oh, if this doesn't lead to another wave of infections with these visitors coming to Las Vegas, stewing around like, like completely oblivious to the harm they could cause, and then going back to their cities, bringing whatever disease they've picked up, I'm gonna be just surprised. And I felt it in my elephant, in my moral matrix, right? So I was directly, my belief was directly challenged that Oh, maybe we're overdoing this a bit. No, because I haven't seen the rest of the country behaving like jackasses. And um, it, it was really awakening for me. And so what I did in that instance is I decided to signal with my actions rather than my words, because I did not want to talk to her because she's this close. I stood up, looked back at her and walked to the front of the bus and just stood holding the little thing. And I looked at the elderly lady and kind of was like, you may wanna get up too. She didn't care. She continued to sit there without a mask. So there's only so much you can do, right? Because she's at the highest risk. The young lady wasn't at much risk, but this elderly woman was. And again, if you're looking at moral matrices, care versus harm, right? It's a tough one. So that's when I started to realize, oh, I see why so many people are out on social media tisking other people for not wearing masks. It triggers something. But those same people need to be exposed to the economic devastation, the social fabric devastation, the feeling of oppression when a public health official, and this is very important, public health officials now are getting death threats. They have never been so powerful as they have been in the last few months, since for a century. You have to realize public health officials have the power to order quarantines and shutdowns and universal masking and business closures but they are also subject to due process. So they, judges can intervene, things can happen, right? So they're not omnipotent or sorry, they're not all powerful, uh, but they, they have a uniquely high amount of power right now. And a lot of the governors have shifted their own, uh, sort of passed the buck to them and said, let's let them decide. So they're making these really difficult decisions, trying to do the best they can with a unique amount of power and people are losing their minds about them. So they're getting death threats. The Orange County Public Health Commissioner was forced, a woman was, physician was forced to re, um, resign uh, because Orange County's liberty versus oppression matrix does not like universal mask mandates right? So it's really interesting now because um, we're pushing up against, again, the sort of elephant morality around things like masking, shutdowns, all of that. And I think what we need to really acknowledge is we need to expose ourselves to the why of the other side of the argument. And then we can come to some rational middle and say, okay, 
Maybe we can you know, wear masks when we're in a grocery store because it's not about us. It's actually about protecting other people from what we may asymptomatically be carrying, right? Now, what I think will be very interesting, so, so yeah, so you know, go, going into Vegas, I was just, ah, oh, the restaurants are open, but what I, here's an interesting contrast. And here's where I saw rational thought emerge. So you have the Strip in Las Vegas. For people who don't know Las Vegas, the Strip is that sort of tourist corridor with the big hotels and the casinos and all that. That's where pretty much everyone's either a tourist or a local worker working in the casino industry. A lot of locals don't go down to the Strip because it's a pain in the ass. So you have the Strip where what I encountered were people behaving like complete jackasses, right? Then you have the suburbs where I used to live, all the other outskirts of Vegas where the locals actually live and work and eat. And what I saw there was a good 50% of people wearing masks out in public. I saw restaurants who were, that were recently reopened with waiter, waiters and waitresses wearing face shields, masks, paper menus that were disposable, doing a wonderful job of distancing people and making people feel safe in restaurants. And so we went out to eat and I've not felt that safe, even in a grocery store because of the way they set it up. But yet the economy was open, people were working, they had jobs, we could go out and enjoy something. And it really, really, really worked. That is a rational balance between the three buckets of health, economy and social fabric. It was so good to go to a restaurant with, you know, Logan say, right? And sit there and have a meal and socialize with each other and feel connected, not just hiding behind some computer and tapping at each other or, or zooming each other or whatever it was. And it helped the creative process and it helped the social cohesion. And so there, there are rational middle ground answers. The strip is not the answer. The way they were behaving on the strip, I'm really worried. You know, it's the same when we see the mass protests. I'm really worried that we're gonna see a surge in cases. And we'll see if we don't, I'm open to this idea to be challenged that maybe the virus actually doesn't do that well in the summer. Or maybe the natural tendency of people to have some distancing and stuff is enough. We don't know yet. We should be able to change our minds when our beliefs are challenged with good data. And that data is still forthcoming when it comes to COVID. So this is important. Now, one thing I wanna say, the people who are making death threats against public health officials are behaving like jackasses. That is just letting your elephant run wild. That is not escaping your bubble. That is not seeing another side. When I went to my UPS store in Vegas, where I still get mail, I talked to the woman who runs it and she's an elderly woman. And we, you know, we hadn't seen each other in a long time. She said, oh, you're back. Oh, it's good to see you. We're all wearing masks, right? I said, how have things been? I haven't been here during COVID. And she said, it's been terrible. People come in without masks. I ask them to please put a mask on because you know, there are people here at risk and they call me every name in the book. They call me the C word. They call me, I mean, just horrible stuff. And that is not seeing the other side. That is not, you know, respecting a business owner's request. That is not being a rational critical thinker. 
That is being an emotional elephant stampeding. Even if you have a strong liberty versus oppression, even if you think this whole thing is a hoax, which by the way, anyone who's worked in healthcare knows it isn't a hoax, all right? It's a serious illness. You can believe that and still hold on to your values of prizing freedom, prizing independence, prizing autonomy, that kind of thing. That's fine. But you can also believe that this is a really bad illness that you don't want to get if you can avoid it, especially if you have two or more chronic diseases or you're over 65. So that's what I wanted to kind of talk about today. Let's look at some comments here. Um, Florida and Arizona are having a huge number of cases every day, so much for the heat, Jody Chance. Right, and I'd like to see those numbers really play out and see. Because, you know, in Brazil's um, sort of shanty towns, even though it's warm over there, even though it's their winter, it's still quite hot, um, you're seeing a lot of cases. So heat may not be the only component. Outdoors spacing is definitely, so part of the summer that actually makes the transmission less, I believe, is getting outdoors. The, the idea of being trapped inside is really bad for the spread of this disease. It loves indoor spaces from everything we can tell so far. I hate to personify it because it's not really alive, but that, that's what I think is going on. Um, let's see, Nicole Salomo says, I wear a mask um, when I don't think it's necessary outside if I see that people are frightened. Just don't want confrontation and want others to feel that I'm respecting them. So Nicole, again, you're putting yourself in other people's shoes, which a lot of people don't do, like the woman on the bus who really was only thinking about herself. And you know, to her defense, maybe she was having the worst day of her life. Maybe she has some PTSD around masks or claustrophobia. And maybe there's something else going on, right? So you give her that. But at the same time, what you're doing is saying, I'm thinking about other people. I wear a mask in public, in public when I'm going into restaurants and stuff, but I don't wear a mask on my trail system, even though it's mandated. And that's because I think that's really stupid. However, when I see an elderly person walking on the trail in front of me, I pull the mask out of my pocket and I put it on because I want them to feel safe. And there's something about a mask that really does give that feeling of safety, which is why I was concerned about cloth masks, because I don't want people thinking it's some kind of force field. It's not. That was one of my concerns with cloth masks, especially early on. Um, yeah, Amy Acton from Ohio quit. Uh, we're very sad. She was treated terribly, says Brittany uh, uh, Bushmick. You know, and that's the thing, like the, the treatment of these public health officials. Now look, I've said this before, public health officials are weirdos. People who go into public health are strange people. Um, by strange, I mean they're outliers. And this is the first time in history when they've had all this power. And could they be like really pushing it? Well, sometimes I think they are, but that's my bias, right? Because again, I'm a kind of a liberty guy, but at the same time, I'm a doctor and I understand the health stuff. So I understand why they're doing that. But the kind of pushback they're getting with death threats and personal, like people are doxing them and saying where they live and stuff, that's unacceptable, you guys. Try to do that job for a minute. It sucks. It's hard enough during a pandemic and then you're getting death threats. It's crazy, right? That's why what that nurse Erin Marie Malone did, I'm using her uh, arrest name, uh, was so terrible because she's basically attacking these healthcare professionals that are trying to do their best. They're not perfect, right? And there's some truth to what she's saying, but the truth is you, you start attacking those professionals, they're gonna get doxxed, they're getting death threats. Elmhurst is getting people are getting death threats. That's not okay, because people are emotional right now. Um, let's see. 
So here's JD Brandon says, Doc, I'm a huge follower, but being a cop here in Vegas, dealing with riots and protests here, I think we're all screwed because people are so close. I see an uptick coming up soon and worse than initially, um, JD. JD, thank you for writing in, by the way, and thank you for, um, you know, I presume protecting and serving. So this is the thing. On this case, in this situation, I try to see both sides of this. And Sam Harris did a good podcast to try to see what it's like to be a police officer and how difficult that job is. And yes, there's racism. Yes, there's institutional racism. Yes, we are still paying the penance of slavery. I mean, you have basically taken a whole group of people based on skin color and set them back you know, a century or two by owning them. It is the original sin of this country's founding that we are still paying for. And you cannot deny that. So let's put that there and then let's look at what JD is saying. The protests that are pushing people up close to each other, some people are wearing masks, some people aren't. And in Vegas, you know that a lot of them aren't. Um, I did a video on this. I'm very worried that we're gonna see a resurgence uh, because of this. So the very communities that are most at risk are minority communities, are the ones that will suffer the most. It's the same as like looting and burning your own businesses. You're hurting the very community that's gonna take a decade to recover that you're part of. And I understand why it happens, I do. But that doesn't mean that we just say, okay, that's just gonna happen. One of my big frustrations is the same public, and other people have expressed this, but and other people have defended this, the same public health officials that were really screaming and yelling about people sheltering in place were very quick to, to pivot and say, well, unless you're protesting injustice, then go out in the world and have fun storming the castle. And it's like, that looks hypocritical to people who are trying to get consistent messages from public health officials. So that's a problem, you know, and, and you know, medical people, yes, they should fight for uh, racial equity because it's a health problem. But at the same time, you know, you're seeing this real deep hypocrisy about COVID, like suddenly COVID's gone because there's an issue that's superseded it. But wait, you, you had us destroy the economy, disrupt the social fabric, and now all that's okay to just don't worry about it, just go protest and in big groups. Uh, no, at least give people very specific instructions on how to do that, which I try to do in my video, right? You know, it, it's very frustrating. And I know it's frustrating for the lay public and I know it's frustrating for the police and I know it's frustrating for the protesters. It's very, very hard. Um, let's see. Um, some good comments here. I'm trying to read them before I read them out loud. Um, I had to go to the post office as Jenny Johnson. Uh, I had to take my daughter. They, we were both wearing masks. It's a tiny, small town post office. There's a guy behind without us mask, hacking, coughing, sneezing all over the place. No one in the post office had a mask on. I have asthma and I have a couple of chronic diseases. It was very unsettling. Just can we think about our most vulnerable think less about ourselves and say, how can we make those people feel as safe as possible? It's not hard. And remember, I'm resistant to masking. It's not hard to throw on a mask when you go in a building. It's just not that hard. 
And the stigma is already disappearing. This idea of wearing a mask makes you look like you're sick or something. Culturally, that's already gone. So, but I felt stigmatized in Vegas for wearing a mask. Actually, I, I should revise that. Here, you're stigmatized for not wearing a mask. In Vegas, I felt stigmatized for wearing one in the casino where I was staying, where I just made a beeline from my room, washed my hands and wiped myself down, you know? People don't care about others, Z, Brittany Hall. I'm starting to wonder. I am starting to wonder, but I actually have, I have an optimistic streak about mankind. I think we can learn compassion. Um, what about teachers in school? I'm 50 and I'm worried about my safety, Kimberly Campbell, right? So I think that people who are at risk should not be forced to do jobs where they're put at risk. So maybe you focus on teachers that have lower risk, you know, because, Schools are petri dishes. Now, kids don't get that sick with some exceptions, but you know, again, they can transmit. So that's that's a real concern. So this is what I wanna talk about is that let's start to project ourselves into other lines of thought and belief. Let's not get so defensive when our beliefs are attacked. I try really hard to do this and I often fail, but then on the second go, I'm more successful. And some of that comes from, being a little older, some of it comes from meditation practice, which allows me to watch my mind so I can see what's happening and go, oh, there I am doing that thing, getting defensive, or there I am, oh, that's an underlying unconscious belief that I'm just reifying and you know defending and trying to cherry pick data to support. That's called confirmation bias. So it, it's important. Um, and so he, Audrey Keene, how can we support the protests and not participate in them? I can't answer that for you, Audrey, but I can tell you this as our final comment here. I'll tell you what I do. I am not gonna go out and march on the street and protest because I've experienced racism growing up. Like I'm the recipient of racism and I have my own prejudices and biases being, living in very diverse cities, right? Berkeley, UCSF, San Francisco, uh, the peninsula. I actually found the least racist place I've ever lived was Las Vegas because people just live and let live there. But there is this deep undercurrent of that. At the same time, I don't feel, I'm not an advocate. So I don't feel like I go out and take, you know, go protest that that makes me feel any better because that's partially why people do it is they feel better. They feel better that they've stood up for something they believe in, or they feel better that they've been part of something bigger than them, or they feel better that they're assuaging their own guilt. And honestly, I think that's a large component of non-African Americans out there protesting or active on social media. And you guys, look, you'll disagree with me, you can come at me, but I think that's a big component of it, right? And to some degree, there are a lot of people pressuring me online to take these very hardcore stances on this stuff. But the way that I honor the protesters movement is I make videos where I say, here's why racial inequity is a health problem. Here's why we should try to have our protesters stay safe from COVID. And here's how I honor their larger concept of stepping out of our bubbles. Being a police officer is a really hard job. I have had experience with police officers where I've seen that, where they've been incredibly helpful and I know that that's not the experience of a lot of black Americans. And I can see both sides of that. Not every cop is a racist. 
It's a very difficult job to do. Yes, we need oversight. Yes, we need better training, right? And, and I think we should acknowledge that, acknowledge the good work our law enforcement officers do. One thing that, again, people don't realize, last year, a thousand people died in police-related shootings. That is the lowest number in modern history. So this is a situation that is getting better. It doesn't feel like it when we see the news, right? Because we're seeing these examples, these horrific examples. But we need to continue to improve the situation. And that means seeing all sides of a situation and standing up for what you believe in, right? But also trying to see all sides. And I think this is where we're struggling right now. So that's how I advocate without going and protesting myself. Um, I hope that makes sense. And you can come at me in the comments, think I'm crazy, that's fine. So guys, I love you. Thanks for being with me during this broadcast. Thanks for being with us during this whole time. I know it's been really hard. I think our platform is here to try to bring some degree of rational thought infused with emotion to this conversation. So I appreciate all your comments. I appreciate the shares on the video. I appreciate, you know, and I haven't cursed in this video because I'm trying to <laughs> trying to control it. That is an authentic thing I do, but I'm trying to control it so that you guys can feel comfortable sharing it. So I hope you do. I love you. Look out for our new music video coming soon and stay safe. We out. Peace. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.